We got to see one of the absolute coolest moments of the Orioles season on Thursday with Trey Mancini's inside the park home run in what could be his final at-bat at Camden Yards. We'll break down that game plus some roster moves by the Orioles and preview the weekend series against the Reds. That's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, July 29th, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we will start by recapping another Orioles win as they beat the Rays 3-0 on Thursday afternoon to take the four-game series from Tampa Bay and get back over 500 and talk about that special, special moment when Trey Mancini came to the plate in the eighth inning. I'll get to the five things you need to know from that one. Then we'll talk about some roster moves that the Orioles made on Thursday. It wasn't just placing Tyler Wells on the injured list. They made a couple of other moves involving pitchers as well. And then I'll get you ready for a weekend series. Orioles traveling to Cincinnati to take on the Reds for three games. The start of a very important nine-game stretch for the Orioles where they have a chance to really make up some ground in the wild card standing. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast which is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. And before we get into it, did just want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Locked on Orioles, free and available on all podcast listening platforms. The only Orioles podcast out there bringing you new content five days a week. Monday through Friday, there's a brand new episode in your inbox, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any listening platform. Make sure to give us a five-star rating and a review on those apps. And of course, we're right here on YouTube. Make sure to hit that red subscribe button on the Locked on Orioles YouTube page. Like and comment on the videos as well. Chime into the conversation in the YouTube comments. We appreciate it so much, and thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. And for your first listen today... Let's start with Orioles and Rays. O's 3, Tampa 0 in the final game of a four-game set at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. As the Orioles win it, they take three out of four from Tampa Bay, and they finish off what was going to be a pivotal seven-game homestand out of the All-Star break with a 4-3 and record on the homestand against the Yankees and the Rays two playoff teams right now. The Orioles finished with a winning record in the homestand. They are now 50 and 49 on the season after the win, back over 500. And as we record this, three games out of the final wildcard spot in the American League. That's right around 5 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday evening. But I'm going to start by getting you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 3-0 win over the Rays on Thursday. And the first thing you need to know is that Trey Mancini had an absolutely incredible moment at Camden Yards on Thursday. As we all know, the trade speculation continues to come with Trey, but he's continued to be in the lineup, and Thursday was the final home game for the Orioles before the trade deadline. The trade deadline is on Tuesday, August 2nd. The O's don't come back home until they take on the Pirates on Friday, August 5th, as they go on the road for a six-game road trip. So that means 
If Mancini is dealt before the deadline, Thursday would be his final home game in an Oriole uniform. And what a way to go out. Mancini comes up with a runner on second and two outs in the eighth inning. Orioles leading one nothing, but just barely holding on, looking for some insurance. And Mancini hits a fly ball to right field. Looks like it's going to end the inning. The O's are going to have to hold a one-run lead in the ninth. And then Josh Lowe starts to stumble. And he starts to struggle with the baseball. And all of a sudden, the ball misses Lowe's glove, glances off his head, and bounds into the right field corner. Well, Austin Hayes, who was on base, he scores easily for a huge insurance run to make it 2-0. But the ball's still bounding away. And Trey Mancini's rounding second base. And then he rounds third. And the relay throw... He beats it just barely, slides in safely at home. Now, I thought it would probably be called an error, but it was not. It was called an inside-the-park home run for Trey Mancini to put the O's up 3-0 in the eighth. The Orioles' first inside-the-park home run since August 11th of 2020. That wild game in Philadelphia when Austin Hayes started the 10th inning with a two-run inside-the-park homer. And it was the first inside-the-park home run hit by an Oriole at Oriole Park in almost 11 years. you got to go back to September 26th, 2011. In the final series of the year, before Robert Andino walked it off on the Red Sox two days later, Andino hit a three-run inside-the-park homer off of Josh Beckett in the sixth inning of the Orioles' win over the Red Sox that put them up 6-2. to two at the time that he hit it. But what a moment for Trey Mancini. Of course, on Mo Gabaday, his relationship with Mo and his family made it even more special. Mancini wearing the Mo Strong shirt in the press conference after the game, of course, addressing that, catching the first pitch from Mo's mother as well. Just an unbelievable moment, and we know all the trade speculation. But, you know, if that was his final at-bat at Camden Yards as a member of the Orioles, I mean, what a crazy way to go out. And, you know, he gets a standing ovation every time he came to the plate. Then he gets a standing ovation after the homer. Then fans chant his name. He comes out of the dugout for a curtain call after the inside the park homer. And I've made my feelings pretty clear about this. The Orioles should not trade Trey Mancini. Again, I get the argument. He's, you know, an upcoming free agent. The Orioles seem to have no plans of re-signing him. To me, why wouldn't you offer him a, you know, two years, $12 million extension to keep him around? But they're not going to do that. So I get it. You want to get something for him. Yeah, you're in the playoff hunt, but your you know, your odds are, are against you. You know, playoff odds at fan graphs are still just 3% for the Orioles. They're not exactly in the driver's seat to get to the postseason. So I get it. You want to get something for him. But I've made this very clear. First of all, I went through the recent trades of 30-plus-year-old rental first-base DHs. You don't get much back. We saw it happen earlier this year. The Royals traded Carlos Santana to the Mariners. They didn't get much back. And that trade happened in June. That was an extra month of Santana, and they still didn't get much. And I get, you know, maybe the Orioles package Mancini with a reliever like Jorge Lopez and maybe send him to the Mets, and that obviously would increase the return. But most of the return would be for Jorge Lopez and not for Mancini in that case. You're not going to get much back. This is the big point. 
Trey Mancini in both trade value, on-field value, clubhouse value, city value, personal value to the fans, is worth 100 times more to the Orioles than he is worth to any other team. Trey Mancini to any other team is a solid right-handed bat who's having a pretty good year. Can help you as your DH or your first baseman in matchups or maybe help anchor the bottom part of your lineup down the stretch of a pennant run and a guy you let walk in free agency this offseason. To the Orioles, he is the heart and soul of a team that is finally turning things around. He is the only guy left from the last Oriole playoff team. Remember, he appeared in the 2016 AL wildcard game. He was a rookie that year. He stuck around this whole rebuild. And finally, he's seeing things turn in the positive direction here in 2022. He's stolen the hearts of all Baltimore fans with everything he's gone through, with his colon cancer throughout 2020 and making the comeback last year. And now having a great year offensively this year. Even if you're not going to re-sign him, just keep him for the rest of the year. Let him see it out. You've seen all of his quotes. He said it after the game Thursday. He wants to be an Oriole. He wants to stay here and see this season out. He said, I get it's a business, and we're not sure what happens. He said he's going to take it day by day. And Brandon Hyde you know, said to, to hold your horses on trade talk. And Brandon Hyde said, I'd love to manage Trey Mancini for 10 more years. That's what Hyde said after the game on Thursday. It's not worth the middling prospects you'll get back This is not a franchise-altering player that someone's getting in Trey Mancini. They're not giving up the farm for Trey Mancini. It's just not worth it. But at the end of the day, if that was the last moment at Camden Yards, or maybe the last moment at all if he's traded before Friday night's game in Cincinnati, what a moment it was to go out on. The second thing you need to know from Thursday's win is... That inside-the-park homer from Trey, plus an RBI double from Anthony Santander in the third, one of his two hits, that was enough for the offense, somehow. I mean, the Oriole offense only had six hits in this game. Two from Mancini, two from Santander, and then one from Austin Hayes, and one from Tyler Nevin. That was it in this game, and yet the three runs were enough. And yeah, it wasn't the greatest lineup. You know, you had Tyler Nevin, Ryan McKenna, and Robinson Chirinos replacing Odor, Mullins, and Rutschman from the regular lineup. So certainly wasn't the best nine offensively that the Oros could put out there. And that bottom third of the order, Mateo, McKenna, and Chirinos went 0 for 9. Mateo lost his hitting streak. But the O still did enough to win the game on offense, and they'll obviously be better once they have the usual nine in there. Third thing you need to know from this one is that, well, Jordan Lyles did eat some innings in this game, something he hasn't done as much of lately. Now, he didn't eat as many innings as he would want to, but he still did eat some scoreless innings. Five and two-thirds scoreless for Jordan Lyles, allowing just three hits. He struck out four, he walked four, and threw 106 pitches. That was the third most pitches he's thrown all year. Lowered his ERA to 4.56 and allowed only three hard-hit balls in five and two-thirds innings of work. Now, the stuff was solid from Lyles, and again, he wasn't hit hard by any stretch of the imagination. But the reason why Lyles couldn't complete six innings, couldn't get the quality start, which makes it 11 games in a row without a quality start for Orioles pitching, is that the walks. Yeah, four walks isn't this like absurd number, but you don't want to walk four guys in five and two-thirds 
especially when you look at who the walks came to. Two of them came in the fifth. Lyles got the first out of the fifth inning. Then he walks Taylor Walls and Renee Pinto. Walls hitting 169, Pinto hitting 190. He walks those two guys. Somehow gets out of it in the fifth. Then with two outs and a runner on in the sixth and a 1-0 lead, he walks Roman Quinn, who's hitting 204 and rarely gets an extra base hit. Just not challenging these guys. And so, yeah, when you walk four bad hitters, you're going to throw 106 pitches in five and two-thirds and have to come out one out short of the quality start. And he wanted those six innings. Just you can't walk Roman Quinn. And you had to get him out of there. But I'll take it from Jordan Lyles. Wasn't his best. Wasn't his worst. Command kind of lost him, and he, he still figured it out. And you got to give props to Lyles for that. Fourth thing you need to know from this one is that the Oriole bullpen, they did it again. They did it again. Through three and a third scoreless innings, relieving Jordan Lyles to secure an Orioles 3-0 win. You got an inning and a third scoreless from CNL Perez, including a huge strikeout from Perez. After Lyles walked Quinn in the sixth, Perez came in, and he thought he was going to face Brett Phillips with runners on first and second and two outs holding one-nothing lead. But Kevin Cash went to his bench and brought in Randy Arozarena, who has killed the Orioles over the years and, of course, had the game-winning hit in extras on Wednesday night. And Perez delivers with a big strikeout on a 3-2 slider in the dirt to get out of the inning. And then he cruised through the seventh. Then Brian Baker came in, got two outs, did walk a batter, though, and did hit a batter, and left with runners on second and third and two outs in the eighth with the Orioles leading one nothing. And in came Felix Bautista, and he closed it off with four outs and three strikeouts. And for the Orioles... You know, they pitched their ninth shutout of the season. They only had five shutouts in 2021. And the Oriole bullpen in this series was ridiculous. The O's bullpen in four games against the Rays, they allowed just one earned run in 18 and two-thirds innings of work. Ridiculous numbers by this bullpen. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from this one is that Felix Bautista showed that although Jorge Lopez is the closer, Bautista is the best pitcher in this bullpen right now. And frankly, if the Orioles do make a trade, I don't think they should trade Trey Mancini. I could see the reasoning to trade a guy like Jorge Lopez. You're going to get a lot back. Two and a half years of control, dominant closer. And the reason you would feel okay about trading him is because you have Felix Bautista to slot right into that closer role, and arguably, you get better in that spot. Bautista retired all four batters that he faced to close out the game and get the save on Thursday. Gets the strikeout of a Rosarena with two on and two out in the eighth to keep it one nothing, And then comes back out in the ninth with a 3 nothing lead. Strikes out the first two batters. Then gets Brandon Lau to ground out to end the game. Of course, the usual just dominant, dominant stuff from Felix. It only took him 13 pitches to get four outs and three strikeouts. That is ridiculously efficient from who they call the mountain out of the Oriole bullpen. Five whiffs on seven swings. Fastball was, you know, it was actually a little down velocity-wise. Average 98.6, maxed out at 100.1. Didn't matter. Struck everybody out. Threw two sliders, which he's kind of gone away from the last couple of weeks. Felix Bautista now eight and two-thirds scoreless over his last eight appearances. Listen to these stats in his last eight appearances. Eight and two-thirds, no runs, no hits, 14 strikeouts, and one walk. He's allowed one base runner 
in his last eight appearances. Hitters are 0 for their last 25 against Felix Bautista. The dude is ridiculous with a 100-mile-per-hour fastball, a devastating splitter. And then he threw that slider in there a couple of times today, still showing you that he has it. Just ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. And the Orioles win the game 3-0, take the series 3 out of 4 from the Rays. Now 8-8 eight and eight against the Rays this season. After going 1-18 and 18 against Tampa Bay last year, they've won three separate series against the Rays this year. Last time they did that was 2018. Seems special, and they're back over 500 at 50 and 49. But this Oriole team, they did look a little bit different in the game on Friday because they made a couple of roster moves before the game. And coming up next, we'll talk about the four pitchers who were involved in those roster moves on Thursday afternoon. But first, got to tell you about LinkedIn because you know LinkedIn, the place to search for jobs, but it's also a place to post your jobs as well. And as you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. And they've got simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnMLB. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnMLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So we'll get to these Orioles roster moves in just a second after the Orioles beat the Rays 3-0 on Thursday. But wanted to thank you again for making Locked on Orioles your first listen every day. But for your second listen, maybe check out Locked on MLB because the MLB trade deadline is coming up on Tuesday, August 2nd. And Locked on MLB has all the breakdowns. But it's not just there. We'll also have all the breakdowns here on Locked on Orioles. Rapid reactions to every move made. So subscribe now to Locked on Orioles and Locked on MLB on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you get notified when each episode premieres and get notified if the Orioles make any moves. But speaking of moves the Orioles made, they did make two roster moves before the game on Thursday. And one they had to make and one they kind of felt like they had to make. So the first one, unfortunately, Tyler Wells was officially placed on the 15-day injured list with what the Orioles are calling lower side discomfort. Now, as of Thursday evening here, we still don't have a definite you know, diagnosis for what happened to Tyler Wells. But what we do know is he left the game in the fifth inning of Wednesday night's start with clearly some lower side discomfort. He threw a pitch in the fifth to Yandy Diaz, just kind of stretched out his side. Then he was bent over, kind of doubled over in pain with Rugnet Odor checking on him. Brandon Hyde and the trainers come out, look at him, and immediately take him out of the game. You know, you don't want to speculate. I mean, it could be a back issue, a lat issue, an oblique issue. You're just not really sure yet, but it's not what the Orioles needed. I mean, Wells in his 20 starts is a 3-9-0 ERA. He's probably been the Orioles' best starting pitcher throughout this year, especially with John Means out. And, you know, I get that maybe his innings were going to start getting more limited. You know, he's thrown 94 and two-thirds innings now this year after throwing just 57 innings as the Rule 5 rookie back in 2021. And the Orioles have talked about limiting his innings all year. But now with Means out 
and Gray Rideout, and you're still missing Kyle Bradish. Now Tyler Wells goes on the injured list, and nothing's been indicated yet. This is you know any kind of season-ending injury for Wells, but if the Orioles are without Tyler Wells for an extended amount of time, that is not going to be good for that rotation. So we'll see how they replace him. I mean, it looks like Brandon Hyde said it's probable that Kyle Bradish will come up Monday to take Wells' turn in the rotation. Bradish you know, seems like he's made enough rehab starts in double and triple A and is good to go, finally returning from his shoulder injury that's kept him out for a couple months now, so that'll be good to get him back, but you want to get everybody healthy. So to replace Tyler Wells, the Orioles called up Bo Salser. So they didn't quite commit to another starter yet, which was smart. Instead, just bring up another reliever because the O's bullpen has been taxed. It's now 11 straight games without a quality start for Orioles pitching. So they go to Bo Salser, who can certainly provide you some length. Now, he didn't pitch in the game on Thursday, but Salser's made two appearances with the Orioles this year after they claimed him off waivers from the Pirates back in May. Of course, the brother of Cole Salser in his two appearances with the O's, four and a third innings, two runs on nine hits, two Ks, and no walks. He last pitched for the O's on July 8th. But his AAA numbers have been solid, 24 innings, a 4-1-3 ERA, and 24 strikeouts to just six walks. Now, that could have been the only thing the O's did, put Wells on the IL and bring up Salser to kind of be a long man or a mop-up guy. But the Orioles felt like they needed more bullpen help than that for this week because the O's don't have another off day until next Thursday. The bullpen has been taxed through this entire series. Remember, you know, you only got three innings from Austin Voth on Monday night. You got five and a third from Spencer Watkins on Tuesday, four and a third from Tyler Wells on Wednesday. And you'd been using the whole bullpen in multi-inning stints. You know, the game went 10 innings on Wednesday night, so that adds to it. The O's needed some bullpen help, and it was really unfortunate, but the O's kind of had to do it as they optioned left-hander Nick Vespi back down to AAA Norfolk. Now, it is his third option of the year, and with the new role in place this year, a player can't be optioned more than five times, so he still has two more left on the season where the O's can option him. But, you know, Vespi's been good this year. You know, he had the one slip-up the last time he was up, but it's been 14 appearances, 4-4-1 ERA, in 16 and a third innings, 14 hits, 8 runs, 19 strikeouts to 6 walks, and 2 homers allowed for the lefty. And he was dominant in his two appearances this week since the Orioles recalled him on Monday. You know, what was really big on Monday night coming out of the bullpen, got 5 outs, and then got 4 outs scoreless on Wednesday night. And basically, the reason why they go Vespi is A, he has options. Some of the other relievers do not. And B, he was probably taxed the most and wasn't going to be available Thursday and maybe wasn't even going to be available Friday. Because again, you know, he threw an inning and two-thirds Monday and then an inning and a third Wednesday. There's no way you throw that guy Thursday. And you may, you know, only throw him Friday if it's like extra innings and you need him. So he becomes the guy who's pitched the most recently and has options. And unfortunately, it happens to Vespi again where he's not pitching poorly enough to be sent down. But the O's just need fresh arms and they do send him down. So unfortunately, you know, again, unless there's another injury, he'll have to wait 15 days before he can be called back up, which will put us in mid-August before we can see Vespi again. But I would think he's probably back up here as soon as the Orioles can possibly get him back here. But to replace Nick Vespi, they went with Logan Gillespie, who is another guy who's had multiple stints in the Oriole bullpen this year. Gillespie, the right-hander, who, of course, was added to the 40-man roster this offseason, uh, had 11 appearances 
so far this year in multiple stints with the Orioles. Been about a month since we've seen him as well. But in his 11 appearances, a 4.35 ERA this year in 10 and a third innings in the majors, 15 hits, five runs, just four strikeouts to two walks and a hit batter. The strikeout stuff hasn't quite played in the majors, but it has played in the minors so far this year in AAA for Gillespie, 4.42 ERA, but in 18 and a third innings, 20 strikeouts to just five walks to the Norfolk Tides. So he'll bring that kind of fastball changeup slider combination Back to the Oriole bullpen. Now, Salser will probably be more of the long guy. He'll usually pitch if the O's are up big or if they're losing. It'll be interesting to see if Gillespie gets any high leverage roles. Brandon Hyde probably won't do it at the beginning, but Gillespie will probably be around for a little bit because the assumption is, you know, when Kyle Bradish comes up to make his start probably Monday, he'll most likely replace Bo Salser. He'll get sent back down to AAA. But I would think Gillespie stays in Vespi's spot for now in the bullpen. So we'll see, you know, he might get some high leverage spots. And the Orioles really like him and like his stuff. So he is back in the big leagues. But speaking of, you know, upcoming games, obviously the Orioles will play Monday, as I mentioned, and we'll need a starter for that game. But the Orioles first have a three-game series this weekend in Cincinnati against the Reds. And coming up, I'll preview that weekend series and also take a look at the Orioles' schedule ahead, which is pretty favorable for the O's and a real chance to make up some ground in the standings over the next two weeks. But first, got to tell you about BetOnline.net, your one-stop shop for all of your sports gambling needs. Now, BetOnline.net has everything here in the MLB season. Number one online source for odds, lines, and games. But it's not just baseball. You've got combat sports, esports, and even golf on every single weekend. And then, hey, we're almost in August. You know, training camp has started. The NFL season and the college football seasons are creeping up. And that's where you really want to get to betonline.net because they're the top online resource for all your sports wagering info with live in-game betting, scores. You can even listen to podcasts, get all your injury news. They have you covered. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today at Bet Online, where the game starts. So the Orioles take down the Tampa Bay Rays 3-0 on Thursday, take the series three out of four, and get to 50 and 49 on the season, three games back in the AL wildcard. And next up for the Orioles, well, it was a tough stretch coming out of the All-Star break. Yankees and Rays, O's go four and three. Now things get a lot easier for the Orioles over the next nine games. And it starts in Cincinnati this weekend. Three games for the Orioles against the lowly Cincinnati Reds, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And this is going to be a huge opportunity for the Orioles this weekend. Now the O's have not yet named their starters. Some of it is because I'm not sure how confident they are in Austin Voth. And some of it also is because of the Tyler Wells injury. But if they went by the rotation they've been going with, you would most likely see Dean Kramer tonight, Friday night. You would see Austin Voth on Saturday and Spencer Watkins on Sunday. But there's a chance that gets mixed up. Maybe D.L. Hall comes up for Sunday. You know, he pitched on Tuesday. Maybe you see Matt Harvey or potentially Kyle Bradish as well. But if that is the stretch, it'll be Dean Kramer Friday against Mike Miner of the Cincinnati Reds, the veteran lefty who is on the trade block right now despite a 6.65 ERA in nine starts since returning from injury. He gave up five runs on eight hits over four innings against St. Louis his last time out. Then you go to Saturday again. It would be Austin Voth's spot. We'll see if he goes. But Tyler Malley will get the start for the Cincinnati Reds, a guy who I think the Orioles should trade for. Another guy on the trading block. And hey, maybe he's dealt 
even before this game happens. But Malley, the 27-year-old righty, 18 starts and a 4-4-8 ERA this season. You know, I would love the O's to get him, but if they can't, the O's want to hope the Reds actually trade him by Saturday or at the very least have him, you know, into trade talks enough where they pull him from his start Saturday just in case. That would certainly help out the Orioles. The Friday and Saturday games, both 6.40 p.m. Eastern time starts. And then the Sunday is a 1.40 game. Again, the schedule would be Spencer Watkins for the Orioles. And a nice young lefty in Nick Lodolo, the 24-year-old, would get the start for the Reds. Seven starts at a 4.73 ERA. Just returned off the injury list a couple of weeks ago. And in his last start against the Miami Marlins, six scoreless innings with nine strikeouts for Nick Lodolo. He's got some good stuff. The Orioles could see some good starting pitching in Mali and Lodolo on Saturday and Sunday. But listen, this Cincinnati Reds team is 38-60. and 60. They are in sell mode. And their team for tonight's Friday night game, it could even look different by the time we get to Sunday. Just because they're going to trade seemingly a lot of their players at this year's deadline. Now, the Reds just lost Thursday to the Marlins 7-6. to Just played a series against Miami. And so, you know, we'll see what they can do. Their offense has been not great. Brandon Drury's had a nice breakout year. Jonathan India, the NL Rookie of the Year last year, is finally back from injury. But... In general, the offense hasn't been anything. The starting pitching's been okay. Their bullpen is a mess. We'll see if the O's can get these games. And that's where I wanted to end with, because here's the Orioles' schedule. Now, the Orioles' schedule in the second half is insanely hard. They still have plenty of games against Toronto, against Boston. They still have to play Tampa and New York. They still have seven games against the Houston Astros. But they have one easy stretch on the schedule in the second half, and it starts right now. The next nine games are all against bad teams. So you got three coming up against the Reds this weekend on the road. Then Monday, the Orioles travel to Texas for a three-game series against the Rangers, who are scuffling right now. They're 43-54. and 54. Of course, the Orioles just swept the Rangers a couple of weeks ago at Camden Yards. So you get three there. Then you get the off day on Thursday. And then the Orioles come back home next Friday, August 5th, for a three-game home series against the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are currently 40-58 and 58 on the year. So you look at those nine games, Reds, Rangers, Pirates. You feel pretty good about the Orioles going something like seven and two, maybe. You know, at the very least, you want to get six and three. But if you can get seven of nine against some really bad baseball teams, you're 57 and 51. That's right in the playoff mix. This could really change things for the Orioles. And it will be interesting because the trade deadline is Tuesday right in the middle of this stretch of games. They'll have played four of the nine games once the trade deadline comes on Tuesday afternoon. But it'll be interesting to see because after they're done playing Pittsburgh and that stretch is over, it's Toronto, Tampa, Toronto, Boston, White Sox, Houston, Cleveland. August is tough after that. But if they can get six, seven, maybe eight of these nine games... They're in a much better spot moving forward. This is a big stretch for the Orioles, and it all starts tonight in Cincinnati. And then I'll be back with you on Monday here on the podcast, recapping the weekend series between the Orioles and the Cincinnati Reds, getting you my three big takeaways from the weekend series on Monday. And of course, if the O's do make any trades over the weekend, talk about those as well. But we'll also get you geared up for Tuesday's trade deadline when I return here on the pod on Monday. But until then, 
I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.